It's our favorite show, your favorite show, my favorite show, Derek's favorite show. It's Play Cousins. Actually, my real favorite show is Real Housewives of Atlanta, but this is second. This is Play Cousins. Wow, your show is second to something else, whatever. I'm Erica. I'm Derek. And we're not related. Thank you. At all, but we're Play Cousins. We are Play Cousins, and we have a fabulous show for you today. We're going to be talking to a couple of really dope people who ran for office just this year. Just this year. Um, The great thing about what we're doing today is we're showing you how regular folks can run for office and make a difference. Regardless of whether or not you win, uh, running for office is something that is a whole other world. And Eric, it's only a matter of time before you run for Congress. So just accept that. I said it. (laughs) You can say it all you want. I'm not running for Congress. But, you know, I think it's funny that we say regular folks is like like actual Congress people aren't regular folks. Are we saying they're not regular folks? (laughs) Well, you know what? They transcend. How do you put this? No, they're not. Um, They're usually mediocre egomaniacs. And it's time for new people to come out of nowhere and run. People People from the neighborhoods, people from the streets, people from just regular life. Because I think that you know how I feel about mediocre and mediocrity in general and mediocre politicians in specific. Yes, yes, we know. Anyway, <laughs> before we get to all of that and we talk to these 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 dope people from Las Vegas, dope. what have you been reading? What have you been listening to? Uh, you know what? Um, I I have to be honest. I did not care about abortion, Roe v. Wade. I thought it was some white people stuff. And then I started reading about how having agency over Black women's bodies has been just a a part of this country since the beginning. And I didn't realize that in the early 1800s, importing slaves was forbidden, but not having them. And so when you stopped importing slaves, how did you get slaves? You made white, you made black women have babies. Yeah. Oh, they were always breeding us. We've always been, you know, um, I mean, they considered black people animals for the most part, right? So they looked at it as the same. They would literally watch the breeding, of course which they to didn't. me, I'm just like, y'all nasty. You just wanted to watch people doing it. but And then you want to make them do what you want to do. It's all kind of old freaky stuff, you know, I think tied into slavery and all of that. But but yeah, they have tried to have dominion and, 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 and keep us from having autonomy over our bodies from day one. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until I started, you know, reading up on it. And also, I didn't realize just how bad um, it is for black women having birth is, you know, the red states are some of the most ridiculous things ever. The stuff that they vote for that is actually hurting them. So women in the South and the red states um, have the highest rates of infant mortality, have the highest rates of dying during childbirth. I didn't even know people still died during childbirth. I thought black that was some black, black women die in childbirth more than anybody else in this country, higher than you know, other countries that they might deem third world. Right, right. That's uh, whole countries, yeah. Haiti or Dominican or, um, you know, countries in uh, or on the continent of Africa have higher or have lower mortality rates than we do. And what does that say about us being, you know, a so-called superpower? We're a superpower to do what? To keep us from, from living our best lives? 
Exactly. Uh, also, uh, in the southern states, the red states, this business about don't say gay has now morphed into, you know, you got to take the pictures of your family off the desk. And now there, uh, I forget, I think it's Florida or another state that has now introduced a bill that basically is Florida. So basically, if you say if there's a kid who's going on an overnight camping trip or a school field trip and they are open about their orientation, all of the parents have to be notified. Yeah. And if the parents, yeah. And so it's like you're going to out some kid to everybody in the whole school district now mm -hmm. for why? I mean, like, what, what purpose does that serve other than to make the kid a target? And what sort of cruelty are these people who are supposed to be Christians practicing? And I will say to any of our listeners, if that's how you feel, if you feel that's a good thing, stop listening to us because I ain't having you. I don't want yeah, you here. I, I, I think they're going to end up getting some kids killed, you know, oh, whether, whether it's by bullying or by suicide or, yeah, I mean, look at the young man here. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. You probably remember the young man who was who was killed by his father. Giovanni. Okay. Yes, Giovanni. That's right. Then he just got sentenced. I want to say maybe about a month ago. I've had if it's even been a month since he finally um, um, was convicted and sentenced to um, hopefully a whole lot of years. I need to look it up to see how many. But it took quite a few years to get some justice. But that is the reason, you know, why he killed his own child. Right. Right. Ignorance and people and people stoking in ignorance. And it just it blows me away because these are the same people who say they're Christians and the same people who will quote the Bible. And at some point, I think that, you know, for instance, state, uh, uh, I forget, I think it's in Boston, City Hall now has to fly the Christian flag because they flew the LGBT flag. Well, you know what? There's I want to fly flag. I, didn't what, I don't know. I didn't know there was a Christian flag. I had no idea, but evidently there is one at ChristiansAreUs.com. Um, but I'm like, okay, so you know what? Let's fly the Satanist flag. Let's let's see how you like that. You know, I'm, I'm tired of these people with their religion saying that they have these rights. I think that this is what I do want to talk about. We need to start fighting back. If you have religious rights, so do I. And I'm a member of the Church of Satan as of now. I believe in like Satan's weird. <laughs> I swear, I'm. I, I believe you in the. A, you couldn't find a different house. No, no, I want Satan. I want Satan because that's my religion, and you know what? So now I demand equal time. I want Satanism in the classrooms. I want Satan. I, we have a flag. I feel, like some, I feel like someone tried to do that not too long ago. I actually feel like there was something you know, along the lines in Florida. Yeah, they won. They're to prove a point. Oh. And it's to prove a point, people. Like, you know, it, yeah. if you're saying one thing is true, then something else is true because one religion doesn't trump another one. Also, we're supposed to have a separation of. Yeah, well, we, and that's the thing. Brett Kavanaugh is all upset because people got on him at the uh, at Morton's because he was eating there and they started protesting. And now he's all mad because he couldn't finish his tiramisu and had to go out the back door. Well, you know what? Uh, decisions Morton, have Morton should never have a, uh, a tiramisu. Says the lady who can afford to go to Morton's. <laughs> I think we have to stop because we're like five minutes over. <laughs> Yes, we're not five minutes over because we started late. So we can't okay. actually look at that timer. It's going to have okay, us good. a little bit off. But yes, they have coupons to go to Morton's number one, number two. Look, you restaurant. Yes, I can my email. Me showing up with a coupon. A coupon. I bet <laughs> I will still eat my filet mignon 
And I will get a discount. I don't have no problems with it. I've said for a long time, if the Lord lets me be a truly wealthy woman, I will still put coupons. I will still shop at Savers. I will still do so many things that I do now in order to have the things that I need. But I would like to do it with just a little bit more comfort. And when the revolution comes, sister, you hold your Dior bag and you go, what? Yes, yes. Anyway, it's time for us to get to our guests, y'all. So stay tuned. Here we come back with uh, uh, two really dope guys. Yeah, normal people. I'm Erica. I'm Derek. We're play cousins. But we're not related at all. Nope. And we're actually not related to the guests that are coming on, but they are play cousins. Uh, yeah. our, our guests, Jovan and Carl, we're going to have them come on together because we're going to have this conversation um, about them running for office. Our quote unquote oh, Jovan, Jovan has been officially named a play cousin already. Yes, because this is his second time on the yeah. show. So yeah. look at you. You're like, you get like a little punch card or something. Right. <laughs> He's like when um, Johnny Carson used to have Carol Wayne on, the Ditsy Blonde. Anyway, go ahead. No one's old enough to remember that. But somebody out there is. Somebody. 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 So let's say hello to the guest. Hey. Hello, Jovan. Hello, Carl. How are you? Hello. Hey, what up? Hey. So um, I'm going to start with you, Jovan. If you could just tell us briefly um, what you ran for and why you ran and then i'm going to ask carl you the same question then let's let's dive right into this i ran for north las vegas north las vegas city council ward three i ran to address uh systematic legislation that we see on a local level um i had a ballot initiative that addressed transitional housing i wanted to create more affordable housing and then i wanted to address any legislation that impact our people whether that's formerly incarcerated, homeless, minorities. Um, what was the second part of your question? You answered no, it. Was, you oh. answered. I just want to know why why you wanted to do it. Carl, same with you. Tell us what you ran for. Hey, uh, good afternoon. I believe it's afternoon. Uh, and thanks for uh, having me on. This is Carl Catarata. I know that this is also via video uh, and also uh, via radio, but I ran for uh, the Nevada System of Higher Education short-term border, end uh, chief border regents uh, when it came to district number six, which is like areas of East Vegas, Henderson, and Enterprise. Um, and I ran because of the fact that, you know, we need to make sure that college is affordable and accessible for our children, for our babies, right? And I, as a student, uh, as a non-traditional senior at UNLV, believe that uh, you know, when it comes to fixing this large, vast system that is supposed to serve faculty and students, why don't we have a student <laughs> to help lead that charge? I have the opportunity uh, when it comes to uh, the tuition. Uh, you know, I know how much I'm paying for tuition. I know how much students are paying for tuition. And I know what our faculty are going through because I talk to them on a regular basis. So I had the opportunity to run while I was not successful. I had the opportunity to really carve the message that you really need to listen to and focus in on students. Um, you know, we are still have yet to see uh, that as a reality, but we can continue on with, with the organized uh, work ahead. It never fails. 
that at some point or another, Derek drops something or turns his computer over and makes some sort of very loud noise. It just never fails. That's just I'm gonna put him in a rubber room. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how that happened. Um, I want to say this is the Losers Club, and I'm saying that in a very like, I'm saying that in a good way because I ran for city council, I ran for Ward Five. And I ran to just, you know, make life better for folks and hopefully improve their economic opportunities. And yeah, I lost, but I'm proud of it. I, I proud, I'm proud of like the campaign I ran. Javon, you ran one of the best campaigns that I have ever seen. I, you really did. And, to the and point they have really nice t-shirts. They're very soft. Yeah. Thank um, you. Quality yes. t-shirts matter. Yeah. <laughs> you go to sleep in those t-shirts, go to the gym in those t-shirts. You know, you want people to wear them. Yes. I yeah. still have my Shelly Berkeley, my John O'Segara, and my Harry Reid t-shirts because they're good t-shirts, especially Shelly Berkeley's because she's all I dream of Jimmy. Um, and then Carl, so here's the thing. I thought that both of you had won because you ran good campaigns. I was just like, well, of course the people like, you know, when I, when I found out that I had not won, I was sitting with a friend in a restaurant and he says, okay, the results are in. And he said, oh, you know what? You got nothing to be ashamed of. Look at the number of votes you got. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I did all right. What did you guys feel like the second that you heard that you had not won? Carl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I definitely, it's good to be a part of the Losers Club, right? It's yeah. good to be a Losers Club because you learn more from, you learn more from, and just like anything in life, right? You learn more from failure, you learn more from losing you learn more from getting short when it comes to your goals and uh you know it's you know you you strive hard you strive hard to get to to reach that and uh you learned a lot of lessons on the way and as a young person i i'm 24 i'm the youngest person to run for the border regions this large vast system that usually and i'm, I'm gonna be straight up is people who are in politics usually go to that board to retire they go to that board to retire. See, I said normal people. See what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, That's like they, they just go to that board and retire. And uh, they haven't, you know, I'm just going to be straight up. They haven't done anything when it comes to, I mean, you ask any one of those for the regions, right? That, you know, what have you actually done for students that will impact a student? And, uh, you know, there were times on the campaign trail that I got some silence. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to part of the losing, the losers club, uh, I was sitting down with a couple of other candidates who didn't make it through as well. And, you know, we left it out on the field. We left it out on the field. We told the voters, hey, what do you consider? What do you think? And the voters for my race, I had a good 6,000 or so folks who had the opportunity to vote uh, for me, both Democrats and Republicans. And uh, it was it was definitely eye opening. It was definitely eye opening because we were expecting less. Um, and I still, to this day, I'm still getting messages from supporters, messages from regular, uh, everyday Nevadans who are probably tuning in right now on the way to school, work, um, and talking about that, you know, you ran a, Carl, you ran a race that was student focused, student led, um, and you stuck to, you stuck to what you believed in. It's and 6,000 votes, excuse me for getting you in, but 6,000 votes, that's bonerific. I mean, that's a really good number. That's a lot of people that, that believed in you. Javon, you, that moment. By the way, this say, beard thing is, is really interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, man, politics will do that to your beard. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I would say my first uh, reaction was, I want to say a slight denial, 
because I know how hard I worked. I know how many doors I knocked. I know how much time and energy I put in. And just to see the numbers, like we had the win number, but it just, the primary election is something different. And a nonpartisan election is very different from most elections because you have to worry about Democrats, you have to worry about Republicans. And the one population that I forgot about is nonpartisan. And uh, it was really the nonpartisans that came out and they voted red. And um, and it, it shocked me. Um, it really did shock me. Uh, but if, if when I looked at my numbers, we, we, we had the win number, it's just unprecedented. You know, I, I believe there was a couple of Republican rallies that day and people just outvoted. I, I believe re Republicans voted two to one. So um, even though that there's more Democrats in my district, it's just the fact that Republicans, they got out and vote in the primary. And do you feel like that's the fault of the Democratic Party, that it wasn't there in the district or has it uh, been there? I will say right now that the Democratic Party is trying to find their identity uh, because they have been splitted and uh, they sp they they spend a lot of time and energy focusing on oh I'm this type of Democrat or I'm this type of Democrat instead of that we're all Democrats running together and let's get each other elected I think uh, the energy could have been more collective than us trying to figure out what type of Democrat you are. So let me ask you this. Um, you said you spent a lot of time door knocking and 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 being out there in the community. For people who've never run for office, who've thought about doing it, but they're afraid to do it because they may not win um, or they may not feel like they got the support. Talk to us about like what it was actually like day to day running. How many hours a day were you were you out there? How many doors do you think you knocked all together? You know, how much money did you did you raise? Um. So a campaign, like during your campaign, one week feels like three weeks because one week you go to about three, four different events in one day, you know, starting from the morning to noon to the evening event. So you go to three, four events a day and then that's that's Monday through Friday. And then Saturday is like a whole nother. The weekend is like a whole nother week because there's all these events going on. So one week felt like three weeks. I, I remember people asking me, oh, it was good seeing you the other day. I'm like, when? Because that, that feels like a lifetime ago. And uh, as far as door knocking, I want to say me personally, I knocked at least about 600 doors. And I really had to step out my comfort zone because even though I'm a social person, just certain things I had to build myself up to. I, I wasn't comfortable knocking on folks' doors and, and not you learn you're not selling yourself. You're asking people to vote for you. But that was also a hurt hurdle for me, telling people, you know, to kind of sell myself and advertise myself and let people know what I stand for. I've always been that type of person where I let the work, my work, you know, kind of dictate who I am. And you you could kind of judge me off my work. But these people, they don't know who you are. You know, uh, you may do great work in your community or, you know, with these other organizations, but uh, average folks doesn't know unless you inform them. So that was a hurdle. And uh, once you get past that, though, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And I want to say um, I spend a lot of money on my campaign. I don't know if I raised a lot of money, but I spend a lot of money uh, on my campaign. Uh, 
I want to say at least like 15,000. And uh, whoa, 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 really? Wow, yeah, wow. Um, it came from my personal money. You know, I, I sold my house, um, during the pan, or was it I served, I sold my house while the market was high, and this is something that I really wanted to do, and I didn't want to depend on anyone else, and I wanted to make history, and I wanted to really, you know, uh, make a change. So I was willing to do that, you know, and I was willing to spend that money, and uh, and I, I don't regret it. Hold on, let me tell you something. I learned this in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Never spend your own money. Okay, Carl, <laughs> did you? Carl, have to was you raising money like that too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I raised. I raised. I wouldn't say I raised up to fifteen, but I raised. When if you look at the public record, because everything has to be reported, right? I raised around ten thousand for for my race. Again, every nobody knows what a region does. No, <laughs> you ask yeah. anybody. You go to your local Albertsons, your Smiths, uh, your Dollar Tree. Uh, you know, you go up to somebody in in the store and you say, you know, who is your region? And they're like, what? Who is that? <laughs> what is that? Uh, so, you know, for this race, I agree with you, Javon. You know, we were sacrificing a lot. We were sacrificing a lot because we believed in the mission. So, Carl, did you have to knock on doors? Your district was is huge. I mean, oh, it's sure. not like, like like Javon's district has a has a, a boundary yeah. within a within a bunch of boundaries, but regions like spread all over the valley like a congressional district almost so how does someone who is in your position young with x amount of dollars how do you go about because you can't knock on every door like you know javon shows up and they think he's you know there to spread the word what happened with you like how could you even how what did you do yeah yeah so that and that's why i'm i was grateful for the for the six thousand or so voters who voted in uh, we're able to, you know, click on my name at the ballot box or in mail-in ballot, right? So we did, like, you know, uh, we did, for folks listening in on radio, those annoying mailers that you get in the mail, you get those annoying random text messages, social media. Uh, I had a, a great team. I had a great team of student volunteers who go to UNLV, Nevada State College, CSN, that showed up with me to go knock on doors in specific neighborhoods uh, that have a voting center right next to them. You know, putting up those uh, road signs, yard signs, uh, utilizing public voter uh, records to say, hey, these are the doors we need to knock in this neighborhood of East Las Vegas, of this part of Henderson, of this place next to Ikea, uh, this place next to the windmill. And we were out there. Uh, and to answer the question, yeah, like I, you know, we spent a lot of money. We were able to be out there and we learned a lot of lessons. Right. And I, I agree with uh, what you had, what you three had mentioned is that it is tough. It's tough going up to somebody's door, <laughs> going up to somebody's door and say, hey, I am here because I'm running for public office. They look at me, you know, I'm a uh, uh, Asian man. Uh, you know, my tone might come off uh, identifying as LGBTQIA. Uh, so, you know, I'm walking up to doors that, you know, strangers doors and they're kind of just like, what are you doing at my door? And I'm just like, look, I'm not selling anything. I'm not doing anything. I just want you to know I'm running for an office you don't even know about. So please vote for me. Uh, Question, Carl. Yeah. On that note, you just mentioned LGBT and all the rest of that. Um, do you did you get any pushback, especially because you're dealing with regions which is considered school, which is considered kids, which is basically the regions aren't kids. Did you get any sort of pushback? And Javon, I want to ask you a variation of the same question. Um, did you get any sort of like, well, you know, your kind, 
sort of reactions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. That is a good question. That's a that's an awesome question because, and I, I'm gonna keep it real, is that there were times where I went up to doors for folks who might come off as anti-LGBTQ, right? Anti, they don't have the same views, right? They don't have the same views. But I, I tried to find common ground within that 25 seconds of knock that door knock. They open the door. What the f are you doing? At, and I'm I'm censoring. Yeah, yeah. So I know we're on radio. What are you doing at my door? What the f are you doing at my door? And I'm just like, look, I want to lower your taxes and I want to make sure that we get good college education. Are you on board with that or not? And they were like, well, if you put it that way, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's a nonpartisan race. You probably don't even know what a regent does. They only get paid 80 bucks a meeting. They only meet four times a, a year. This is my, this is the literature. I'm the same person on that literature. Vote for me, look for my name, have a great day. I'm gonna walk away. Please do not uh, throw me off your lawn, right? So there were many times, there were many times where they were like, you know, they they look at you and they, they judge, right? And that was my key thing. Within that 20 seconds, let's get past the identity. Let's just focus on the, the issues we can compromise on. And did it work? I mean, uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see in the. Uh, I mean, well, if you turn if you turn one person, that's all that matters. You did your job on this planet, uh, Javon. Did you get any? Because you said the nonpartisans. Nonpartisan in this state means like hardcore right wing Republicans. They they say they're nonpartisan, but those are the ones who just yes. sister, they're sister. Is that true though? Because I I really do identify as a nonpartisan more than anything. Yeah, I think no. I you know I've stayed registered as a Democrat before. I've been nonpartisan before, and then I was a Democrat, and then it just makes sense that you know I don't necessarily want to identify with anybody because no one seems to be getting right. in the first place so i don't know if, that, if they if they deserve to have me on in in their gang gang and derek is right uh well at least in the area that i lived in uh you know the deep north uh you do have the the nonpartisan the deep north aliente uh that area it is deep north las vegas and you have some people that have lived there since the 80s and the 70s when it was rural. So a lot of the nonpartisans in my district was, uh, you know, magma type folks, Trumpsters type folks. Uh, so yeah, we, we, yeah, they did exist, but I, I hear what Erica is saying because for the longest I, I was nonpartisan too, but when you get deep in the political game, you you have to like choose a side. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I agree with both. But as you were saying, resistance, uh, are you resistance from the community or resistance from the political? Did you get a lot of we don't have your kind around here? Because I know your district up there. I know that district. And there's a lot of people with big old houses who are just as countrified and as trailer trash <laughs> as the people who don't have the big old houses. Uh, thank you for a minivan where you could pick out, you know, who doors you want to knock on. Uh, so I was very strategic in my campaign. I, I knocked on certain doors. Uh, I didn't waste my time with certain folks that I knew that wasn't going to vote for me. Uh, you know, me being a person of color, too. When we sent out those text messages, some people, oh, I'm not voting for a black person, you know, in a nice way to say that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I did try to contact all of them, but the people that I knocked on doors were people I knew that would vote for me and those those tend to lean Democratic. So, but then, okay, 
and Erica, since you said that you were have been nonpartisan, because um, I don't understand that. Look, y'all know me. I'm a very this or that. I, I, there's not a lot of middle ground with me. Um, when you said that you were nonpartisan, Erica, like I, I just feel like a nonpartisan person is like. It's like the bisexuals, pick a lane. I'm sorry, I said it. You know, like, come on, pick a party. I don't get it. Like, I so don't I'm, get it. I do not compare those two things to each other at all. It's not about not picking a party. It's not like I, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Is that Greedy. I don't want to be associated with any of y'all because you're not on the right thing. I don't feel like you deserve my wholehearted support and my pledge of allegiance to your party and what you stand for when you don't stand for all of the things that I need you to stand for. You're like, it's, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm going to lean Democrat because I lean Democrat. However, Democrats have not put up the fight they have needed to in order for us to have equality, in order for us to feel like free people, in order for us to feel like they actually give, you know, a crap about my life and the and other marginalized folks. Derek, you and I were just talking about the fact that um uh, you know, black women have the highest maternal mortality rate in this country, you know, but also black women are the cornerstone voting block of the Democratic Party. So why can't you fix it? Why can't you put more effort behind it? Why do we have to push so hard just to have basic needs um, uh, evaluated and looked at? And why do we have to work so hard for even even to see us as people besides the fact when you want us to come out and vote? So no, you don't deserve me. Okay, so then I want to I want to expand this conversation. Then, um, if that's okay, Erica, can we do that? Can we expand? Yeah, it? I want to make sure we check on time because I think okay. this conversation might go a little bit long, and I would appreciate if it did because we can certainly all add all of that to um, our website and, uh... and Spotify. <laughs> so I think we should. I want to make sure we ask one more question uh, to our folks here. Uh, before we go and uh, wrap up for uh, KCP. So I want to ask uh, specifically, actually to both of you, but Carl, I know that that you are, you know, such a, a young man. And there, there are so many younger folks who have so much voter apathy and they are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they barely, you know, have been around for a lot of the, the tomfoolery that has happened over the last few decades. But already they're like, no, nah, enough of this. Y'all not doing it right. And I don't care about voting. I've heard it before, you know, from young folks and, and they just don't see it as being the vehicle. You being that young and you still wanting to not only vote, but also run for office are the folks you know, around you and not so much in your inner, inner circle, because I know that you hang out with the political folks and we are different and weird. And so we always out here, you know, pushing for for more. But just in general, folks around your age, folks in school, are they interested in voting? Do they want to be a part of this process? Yeah. And also, surprisingly, after I ran for office, I have found that I do not uh, hang out with the political folks anymore because it, it actually showed me that real folks outside of the political sphere are actually the best folks to trust and to also be a good sounding board. And the people in politics can be so far removed, right? From like the deeper you go into the industry, right? It's like, it's the deeper, it's like the, it's like the deep end, right? And then you just got to connect Believe with- Believe me, like, I know about the cesspool deep end. Yes, yes, yeah, I, <laughs> And uh, yeah, when I ran for, <laughs> when I ran for office, 
you know, when I ran for office and uh, I, you know, it was 24, I'm 24, I'm turning 25 later this year. Okay, say 24 one more time and I'm going to punch you in the neck, all right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had a lot of high school students, um, like what, Foothill, Basic, uh, High School, uh, all across, actually all across Nevada, so the youngest. Uh, they were kind of reaching out and they were saying, why are you running? Like, you know, why are you running for this? You know, uh, they, when I had the opportunity to share with them, Hey, yeah, I'm rising or, you know, rate, having the opportunity to raise thousands of dollars. They were kind of, they were kind of disconnected. They were kind of disconnected and disillusioned by politics, right? They folks believe that politics is only just yelling at each other and you know, what Trump says, what Biden says, but actually there is, and Javon, I'm pretty sure you can agree to this is there is a ton of work that needs to be put in like you have to open up a, a bank account you have to open up all these different things to make your campaign successful because you want your vision and uh when it comes to young people you're completely right erica is that young people are a little bit uh apathetic to the process because of the fact that our politicians have failed us that's the reason why i ran for this board is that you know these i mean these folks haven't been decreasing tuition rates across the state of Nevada, point blank and center, is that, you know, you can, I can reach out to uh, any one of those members on the uh, Board of Regents and said, what have you actually done specifically? And they'll give you, me a turnaround answer. And I will what look What have you done for me lately? Yeah. Ooh. Well, and, you know, I can, I can be like, look, you know, please don't, please, please don't give me the run of the round of the bush just because I've worked, I'm a young person who has worked in government and interned at county city at the city of Vegas, Clark County, the state. Please don't BS me because I 100% agree with you. Is that we need to fix this? And uh, young people are apathetic, and uh, you got to deliver. You really got to deliver. And that's my message to Nevada's politicians: is please deliver. Please start delivering because uh, all of this talk, all of the text messages, it's great. It's all dandy. And as somebody who works in politics, great and dandy. But you also have to deliver. I got an alley. We're going to ignore him. So Javon, you're out here <laughs> door knocking. You are a formerly incarcerated man who, yes. uh, who also, you know, just recently was able to register to vote. Um, what was that? 2018 that we did 2019. Yeah. Uh, vote 2019, uh, 2019, July 9th, 2019. Okay. 2019. Okay. So the first time that you voted 2020. Uh, I was registered to vote uh, 2019. I didn't vote until 2020. Okay. And so, and so, thinking about that base, those folks, people who are new to voting, people who have just had their rights restored, were you able to reach out to any of those folks? And what were those conversations like? So, reaching out to those folks, they were surprised that they still have a that they have a space in politics. There's a lot of people that's formerly incarcerated that still believe that they can't vote. So I felt that I was the ultimate example. Like we could do more than vote. We could run for office. So them seeing me run for office definitely inspired inspired a lot of the, those who are formerly incarcerated. And it was difficult running, you know, with a background because it wasn't that's not traditional. Uh, so when I knocked on doors, I had to explain to folks, you know, I had to have those conversations. I had to, you know, you know, put that information on my website and then just let people know that um, it's not about the person. It's, it's about the issues. So uh, people, you know, they didn't really care too much about my background, which surprised me. They they care that I was passionate about the issues and they felt that I was closer to the issues and truly wanted to 
you know, saw the issues because of my background. But I definitely inspire a lot of folks who are formerly incarcerated to get more engaged, to vote, to organize, and to also run for office. Yeah, I think it's actually more traditional to have a record after you've become elected. <laughs> yes, I did it backwards, yes. <laughs> wrong way. Anywho, <laughs> I appreciate that, and I appreciate you being upfront and, and honest about it. I mean, because, I mean, I think a lot of people might be like, ooh, we kind of got you. You know, I bet you didn't know type of situation. But when we just put the stuff out there, whatever the stuff is and just like yeah because i'm not perfect yeah because things happen yeah because systematic racism yes because mass incarceration yes yeah. because things are just hard and when we say regular people we mean people who have past people who have baggage people who have just stuff going on but just because you have stuff doesn't mean that you can't create great policy and that you can't care about your community Exactly. You might care more because you understand the struggles that people are going through and you've been through them yourself. And, uh, you know, it's odd. I didn't get a lot of resistance from, you know, you know, white women, white men, uh, like younger folks, formerly incarcerated. What I got resistance from was older black men that were engaged in politics. No offense. I'm just calling you. You're a little more. You're not that old, but. That's where I got my resistance from, and it, and it bothered me, you know, because I, I have a father that's a black man, and I, I I thought that where I would get the most support, but I that's it, it wasn't there. It was. You know, it was not. I um I'll never forget this. I went up to a guy and I explained to him about the plan to basically um, resettle and erase black people from Ward Five, and he said to me, and I showed him the uh, the plan that the current city council person had approved, which didn't even bother to have black people in the drawings. And he said to me, oh, they're not gonna do that to us. They can't do that to us. They ain't gonna get rid of black people in Ward 5. And I remember just thinking, okay, and when they march your butt out of here, I want you to remember that I warned you. So I get you on that. Yeah. Ignorant. And I said it. So Erica. <laughs> no, Derek, it's your turn now. You want to get into some other stuff. So well, I, you know what? Else to say on that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of this program, we talk about the dopeness of black women. And I want to give flowers to a black woman that I just am personally invested in. And I just think is one of the dopest women ever. And I'll make it brief. Lori Harvey, if you're out there listening, I really need you on this show because I I uh, I am a Lori Harvey stan. I from the baby hairs to the Gucci. I just Lori Harvey, if you're listening, Please, 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 please come up, like cousins. That's all. That's all. Oh, Roe versus Wade. Was that the next question? <laughs> I, I think we were supposed to be talking about Roe versus Wade and not Lori Harvey, but it's been oh, okay. since uh, since she and uh, Michael B. Jordan broke up. I don't really understand. But yeah, you know what? Which you know what? I would have watched, but nah, Lori Harvey, you are everything. And please come on, play cousins, because I love you. I love you. You're like a Kardashian to me, and that is the ultimate. The ultimate praise. That's all. Okay. So let's talk about Roe versus Wade. <laughs> yes. Let's segue in. Um, anyway, on, on Roe versus Wade, I think that, you know, I, as I said earlier, I, on our radio show, I did not know how important and how deep uh, the whole right to your own body thing was. Um, but something that really got me was Clarence House in Thomas, 
made it a point in his decision in, to, to say that not only was Roe versus Wade not in the Constitution, but a whole bunch of other stuff wasn't in the Constitution, including um, gay marriage. Uh, but, you know, he never mentioned interracial marriage because he's all sucked up under a white woman. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to know how y'all felt about that, because as men, we are never going to have an abortion. But as people, we are still affected by this decision against women. And I just wanted to get y'all's opinion on that. Carl, as a member of the LGBT community, are you worried that you're next? Because to me, it's like that that poem where they said, first they came for the Jews and I didn't care because I wasn't one, then they came for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 100% is that, you know, they are coming after our specific rights. It's like, why would you roll back rights? Like what, like, I also like looking at it from like a philosophical perspective. It's like, why are you rolling back things when we literally did all this progress to move forward? Like, you know, mm. what I mean? like out of everything, all the things that you, and this is maybe just a young person perspective is out of all of the things that you could have done, you decided to do that. Like you decided to do that. You right. decided to come to work. Yeah. And then you decided to do something so opposite of what the country, what everyone wants to do. And then you just did something so useless, so useless in the decision that, uh, will advance our country. Like it's, it's so like the decision to roll back rights is just so useless. Like what, how does that help anybody? How does that help? It does nothing. It does nothing but pave the way for them to do more. Exactly. And it creates more challenges. And as somebody, a part of the LGBTQ community, uh, Thomas put it, he put it out there. He said that, you know, Obergefell uh, is next, you know, and then, you know, there are people who are just like, oh yeah, it's not next. Then why did he put that, that, why did he write that? Why did he mention it? And, uh, Javon, yeah. Javon, you're a mulatto. So yeah. what, do you, what do you feel about, like, I had to do that. <laughs> well, why, I'm, I'm critical, but all right. Okay. <laughs> why did he not mention interracial marriage? And are you worried that they'll go after that? Um, I'm worried about a lot of things, Derek, to be honest. Uh, I didn't think about interracial marriage. The first thing that came to my mind was the constitution and how slavery is still in the constitution, mm-hmm. uh, how you know the black man is still three fifths of an individual in the constitution. So if you're able to roll back those things, uh, you know, with the same sex marriage, you could also address that those things because you know slavery exists in our constitution. It's it's there. So it makes me think about that on a, a on that level. Yeah. That's that's where my mind goes. Even though I'm a lotto, yes, we need interracial marriage. That's where we go. But then also to note that the Supreme Court is planning on hearing uh, shortly a um, case around affirmative action. And there seems to be um, that they were able to get a group of students together, young students, Asian students together to um, to sue, uh, I think, Harvard University mm-hmm. around, you know, um, their application process and how they were allowed, they were letting more black and uh, Hispanic students in and not Asian Americans. Now, I don't know all the specifics of that case, but it really just on the surface feels to me like let's let's bet one um, uh, group of people against another group of people, all well, people who are oppressed people, but figure out a way to make it seem like, well, no, they are the bad guy. They're the reason why you can't get X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. 
not the case. This is how they try to split and divide because we wouldn't be minorities if you put us all together. Like we're not right. minorities. I don't, and I don't like to use the word anyway because I think it just sounds stupid. But that case, that yeah. case is um, basically the Asian students um, are scoring very high, mm-hmm. uh, overwhelmingly high, and their then the tradition is they want to go to the Ivy League schools, Harvard, etc. And so basically what was happening is you had so many Asians who were being admitted that then someone said, well, we need to counter that through affirmative action, whatever. Um, and it, it does. It's, it's ugly. It's ugly because the Asian students are going in there. They're doing their job. They're getting admitted. And then someone made it ugly. And, right. you know, and it, it goes back to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just pitting us against each other. Carl, I mean, you're Asian-American. What's your yeah, thoughts on this? And is, it a, is it a discussion in your community? I agree. And also, and also it really, we should also like hone in on the fact that they were really trying to, not only were they trying to pit, uh, you know, Asian American community versus the black community in the country, but also what was very interesting is that they were really trying to, uh, I mean, it really hones into the fact of, you know, there is Asian uh, racism towards the black community in this country. Like that's, that's point blank and center. And it was extremely amplified uh, in this specific uh, uh, this court case. And they even came over in, in Nevada. They were I remember there were parts of the Asian community that were saying, oh, well, we need to stand up for uh, Asians. And I was just like, that is rooted in anti-blackness. Like that is rooted in anti-blackness. And that's rooted in racism. Carl, do you feel like they try to whiteify you guys? They, they do. And also and also a- Asian American Pacific Islanders do need to. Uh, recognize their privilege too, right? They need to recognize their privilege uh, when it comes to uh, the privilege they have in the community. And as an Asian American man, as a Filipino American man, you know, that is one of the biggest things that I call into question when I'm around Asian groups is that, hey, like you need to be aware of your identity and your privilege. Like it's 100% and being, you know, when it comes to this Supreme Court decision, it was not only amplified, but vilified. And then they also, then they tried saying that, oh, this specific group is better than this specific group. And that's when I 100% agree with y'all is that they pitted us against one another. It's white supremacy. The enemy is white supremacy. (laughs) Like It's white supremacy and the systemic racism uh, that is put against our different communities. Exactly. That is exactly the the right statement to say the enemy is white supremacy. The enemy is poverty. The enemy is... uh, is, is, um, Lack of resources. You know, the, the lack of resources because they make it seem like there's only this much. You only have yeah. this much. And so now you all have to fight over these little bitty scraps over here when there's enough to go around for everybody. And everybody out to to Harvard anyway. Harvard don't even seem like the greatest school in the world anyway. I'm pretty sure you can go somewhere else and get a really great education. You know, we That's don't have we Harvard. don't have to fall into that that um idea that this Ivy League school that was built off of slavery and built it and it wouldn't allow any of us in on this you know in this conversation in that school when they open that now we have to go there we need to stop begging to be in places where our best interest and it wasn't created for us anyway so i think that that right there you know um they want us to want something that we don't even really need yeah and they could have built more they got money they could build more like that's classrooms and then they let everybody come Right. And the students are the real resources. We're the real resources to universities, and that's how I see it. Well, Harvard, um, as Erica says, was built on slave labor, 
And they were so awful to black people and their descendants that just recently, I think they don't, they um, committed to spending something like $146 million to rectify that situation. Well, just expand and bring in more black people, bring in more Asian people, bring in more Latinos, bring in more people, bring in more poor whites. But, and I, you know, right now in, um, uh, I think it's Colorado, they're having one of those billionaire retreats. And I'm like, at some point, when call out billionaires? When are we going to call out the people who actually run everything? Because there's a lot of money going around that could really make the world a better place. But these are the same people who are fighting against us. Uh, to wrap it all up, because I think we're getting to that point. I, yeah, I think we actually passed it. Yeah. But I do want to say I will go talk to those billionaires if someone gives me a, a ticket to Devos. Yeah, no, you don't want a ticket. You want a G5. You want your own G5 to land because, yeah, I'll go, I'll go mix it well, up. I just, well, yes, I, I wasn't flying commercial. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying I just need the ticket. I'm sure you have to sign yeah. in somewhere. I'm sure there's a sign in sheet or event. I'll folks with some billionaires in a minute. Call me Lori Harvey. I know you're not a billionaire, but Lori Harvey, please be on our show because I love you so much. Wrap it up. Um, wrap it up. Okay, wrap it up. Make sure you always wrap it up, actually. Yeah, because abortion is about to be illegal all over the place. We're just going to hear it. <laughs> right? Right? Everybody goes, what? Yeah. Okay. So we uh, remember to, to listen to us the third Saturday of every month on KCP, Power 88.1 FNM. And um, we're Play Cousins. I'm Derek. That's Erica. Say Erica. Yeah, it's free. Somebody got one job. I said Erica. <laughs> I am Erica. I am Erica Washington. I am the play cousin. The, the, okay, 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 okay. I see how it is. Black man can't get nowhere in this world. Thank y'all for listening and goodbye. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate both of you. Looking back on the track for a little green back. Got the fine, just the kind of losing my mind. Your hair does look cute. Why, you thank know. you. It's the humidity. I know. I'm like, you did tell me that the humidity was going to work on your hair. It's hey, everybody, we're Play Cousins. And I'm Erica, and I have really soft and defined curls here. Lustrous. Lustrous. Mm-hmm. I'm Derek, and so do I, but I have good hair, so, you know, it's always like this for me. Come on, dark and lovely. <laughs> it's like a Jericho, but permanent. so we're play cousins we are and here we are wrapping things up it's been one heck of a month i swear but it's the worst month in history what would you say was the worst thing to happen you know what everything that white supremacists did from the time they woke up to now i mean between um the Roe versus Wade to the fact that they're going to come after the LGBT to the fact that black people can't get a break to the fact that all of the stuff that's going on is basically aimed at black people. But one good thing did happen. One good thing hecka happened. You know what that is? I think I know. But I what you know? You do. It's a sports related thing. And you know how big I am on the sports. And I just want to talk <laughs> do you about even know what, what sport it is. <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> I know they get the Stanley Bowl at the end. That's all that matters to me. But go ahead, Erica. I'm going to let you do it because we both know her. We're both proud of her. And I just, I'll start talking. Oh my God. Go, 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 go. So, you know, so I was on a plane and I, and I, you know, I'm getting off the plane, turning my phone back on and all that. And I, 
I get some text messages and then I see some like Twitter things or whatever going on. And it's because Sandra Douglas Morgan, who is one of the dopest women that I know, and she is a local born and raised Nevadan, Las Vegas. She went to uh, UNR. She went to, I think, UNLV too, I think. Um, Anyway, she's she's a lawyer. She and was Dr. Sonia Douglas is her sister. Go ahead, go ahead. I won't say anymore. Yes, and Dr. Sonia Douglas is her sister, who is also really dope. And I've had the pleasure of knowing them for a lot of years now. I've been in Vegas almost fifteen years, so at least maybe ten-ish of them that you know I started to get to know them. But anyway, Sandra Douglas Morgan is now who has made history as of um, yesterday, yesterday, because we're recording this ahead of time. Uh, she is the president of the Raiders. Now, I don't even know what that means. I don't know, the president. I don't know what the president of the NFL team does. I have no idea what she's about to do, but I'm just so happy. And it's not one of those things of just like, oh, now you, you've got the, you know, you're the first black and Asian because she's black and Asian. Yeah. Um, you know, that she's the first one to have this job, because again, I don't know what the job does, but I know how I feel about the NFL. It's actually the only sport I've ever actually sort of enjoyed watching, but at the same time, I don't watch it because it feels a lot like slavery to me. I feel totally. like the, the you have owners and you have players, and it's like masters yes. and slaves, totally. Yes. And then a lot of the players are getting these head injuries, and there's so yeah. much, it feels like folks are just going still ain't signed Colin yet. Yeah, and, and the Colin Kaepernick issues. Like, there's so much about the NFL that just really makes me nauseous, and especially when it comes to how Black folks are treated. But I am hoping what this does, and I'm not putting it all on her because I hate when I try to put everything on the Black ladies, that they right. got to fix it all, but that right. this opens up a door to having women, to having, uh, um, you know, this sort of representation because she she does have a heart. And she's one of the sweetest people that I know. Cool. She's fun really cool. When I had my foot surgery, she sent me breakfast. She had breakfast delivered to my house. Oh, she was such, she's such a person. Those sisters, her and Sonia, are two of my favorite people. They've always supported anything I've done politically, anything I've done to like get Black people to vote. I just, I love them so much. And I had, this, I had the same thing. I saw a little thing scroll across my screen that said, NFL named Sandra, and I didn't even look at it because I didn't care. And it was later on that somebody said to me, your girl uh, got named to head of the NFL team. And I was like, what? I don't even care. And then I clicked on it and I was like, no way, no way. One of the coolest people in town and one of the smartest people in town. And with great hair. Oh, my God. You're talking about good hair. Anyway, yeah, and, and plus she's sisters to Dr. Sonia Douglas, who's who, my favorite. Who Derek has had a crush on since I've met him. I think he's, you don't know her? Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> if I was to go, if I was inclined in that direction, I would probably break up her marriage. Anyway, go on. So, Dr. Back to, back to Sandra. <laughs> Dr. Douglas Morgan. Yes. And I feel like I have to say her whole name so everybody knows what her name yeah. is. And hopefully, hopefully, um, because sometimes I will mix them up with Sonia and 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 Sandra. Yeah. So I'm like, y'all know who I'm talking about. Anyway. Do we know what she's gonna be doing? Have you read to find out like what what is her job? No, to be the president. She in charge. That's her job. <laughs> people to tell people what to do and they need to go and do it. That's her okay, job. So- well, okay, you mentioned something though that I do want to touch on. Um, 
she is now, I, I assume she's like the most important or the highest ranked black woman in, in major league sports, yes. uh, all of the sports. What do we, how, how do we temper our expectations and how do we support without, you know, thinking that she's got to solve all the problems of, of you know, Christ, et cetera. Like, you know how we have a tendency to be like, you know, when one of us gets somewhere, it's like, well, I know you're going da 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 da. How do we like support her without smothering her? I I think she, I think she's going to be smothered. I think you're going to have people. You know, everybody going to have a hand out in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. Somebody going to want tickets to a game or whatever. Them games are expensive. Uh, we'll say yeah. you know, the husband. Yeah, the one. I did. That's the only one we go to. But you know, I think you know. I don't know, like, because you want to be proud. And I was really proud to see how many folks were just like, congratulations, congratulations. It was everywhere. I would see it because so many, Vegas is not that big of a place, right? So once you know folks, then other folks know folks. And so we all sort of run in these same circles. Well, degrees, yeah. so, it's, so it's not a big deal that a lot of, that I know her or that you know her, because a lot of people here, they know her. She was also the first um, black and Asian woman to be city attorney for North Las Vegas. She was also the first um, um, black and or Asian woman to uh, be the head of the gaming uh, board. Yeah. And then all the other things, like she's been the first, you know, over and, and over not, again. She is not that thing I hate the most. She is not mediocre. She is on top, on yeah, top of her I don't even know. Like, was that job on an Indeed, or they probably just came up to her and was like, this, this is- "Somebody read her LinkedIn, <laughs> right? Right? He sent her a LinkedIn message, and we think you might want to apply for this position, right? But I, I don't know. That came out of the blue. But I think, yeah, because I didn't even know they were looking. I didn't get a, you know, no one sent me an email to ask me to throw in my hat. But, you know, I think she will get smothered. I think because there's always going to be people. I saw folks, you know, making sure they post a picture of that they have with her probably from uh-huh. 15 years ago talking about, oh, I know her as my friend. And I hesitate to say she's my friend, even though I like steak right. with friends. Like I can't. She has done great things. But that's all. I think she's just a really nice person. The things she's done. But she has come to my birthday brunch, which are epic. And Plus. Plus. And I don't and I don't need her to do anything, you know, for us. But I just I I want to bask in the moment of this is just really freaking cool. I just think it's cool that um, that 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 this has happened and that it's happened to the right person, because sometimes yeah. you see people and you're like, oh, I guess. Right. No, you're right. You know, you're nice people. Yeah, yeah, she's nice and she's qualified. And I and, and shout out to my Asian brothers and sisters because y'all got one with this one. You right. know, it's like, I we, hope they're celebrating too because this I'm is sure for both of them. And I had a chance, like, this is how we go back. You know, at one point I used to work for the Las Vegas Urban League and we held a gala. It was great. I was in charge of putting this gala together. And well, one of these good at galas. Did, hmm? you're good at galas and small parties. I am. I, I am a great party planner. Good and so we put, together, we put together this gala and we were uh, giving an award to her sister, um, Sonia. I just signed so, with American Douglas. Yes. <laughs> so I had an opportunity because as we're prepping for, you know, the event uh, to interview both uh, uh, Sandra and um, uh, their dad. 
and they came into the office sat down we did like a little video interview i was playing barbara walters or whatever and i'm just talking to him and he was such a sweet man and he talked about how hard his girls worked and how proud he was like he literally they started to cry like it was just a oh. beautiful thing you know to see him proud and and, and seeing his children and and all of these you know things hadn't happened yet you know these these are before a lot of these big milestones and he was just swe uh, swelling with pride this black man was just like look at my children and look at what they're doing and it was just such a beautiful thing like the family you can just see like the undercurrents of the love yeah. like and, and this is why she has a, a a stable life to be able to achieve these dreams that a lot of women just don't even feel like they ever have the opportunity to reach for because i don't know how many hours she's going to be working here doing you know right. running, you know I think um, it's a job. but you know she has children herself and they're not they're not small small children but they're you know, medium size is what i would they call still them. Need mommy. yeah oh yeah they're you know there's you know, under 18. And so she still has to be a mother and a wife, you know, that there's a lot on, you know, working women and things that they have to do and to then be president of the Raiders, which again, like I said, I have no idea what that mm -hmm. job entails. I'll have to Google it and say, what does the president do besides tell everybody else what to do and, and do it with a flip in your hair, you know, <laughs> right. whatever it is that she has to do. Yeah. Right. I exactly. I think it's definitely a 24-7 job. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think it'll be interesting to see how a woman does the job, first of all, and how a Black and Asian woman does the job and see, again, I don't know what the job is, so I don't know what she'll do differently, but I do think that it's going to be very interesting to watch her progress in this job. Um, and I, I'm just so proud of her. And, you know, like, like you said, they are two of the most, and I, I keep combining her and her sister, and I know that they probably get that all the time, but it's just so unique. I don't want to say rare. I don't want to say unusual. It's unique, and it's so heartlifting to see siblings who are so supportive of each other achieve so many great things in life. And the fact that they're Black and that they're Asian is just like, you know, butter on the mashed potatoes. I just, I'm so thrilled with this and yeah i don't know what she does <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> at all i know it's got something to do with the sports and that's that that is all i know but yeah it's good to see one of uh, a local make it yeah and, and she has I, made I, it I, I, yeah i think it's cool i think it's cool so anywho so we're putting it out here not just because um you know it's it's breaking news sort of but um i'd love to have her on the show i'd love to have actually i'd love to have them both on the show they could talk about just how it is that they became so dope and able to stay so grounded right. and and do the things and be strong I think they would be a great as, on that note i think they'd be great to inspire people because like what what did your parents do this is unusual I, i'm going to go back to unusual not just unique this is really unusual that two women from the same family of any race have gotten as far as they have. So what's the secret sauce? You know, what's the adobo? Right. I mean, I think their parents might need to write a book or something. You yeah. Know? I know he was pretty strict. I remember him talking about being pretty strict about their homework and, and all of that. But there's got to be more than just saying you need to make sure you do your homework. Right. Because my parents didn't care about my homework. And look at how far I've gotten. You yeah. are just so far. Yeah, like, wow. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. 
So are you looking forward to anything? Like it's been Juneteenth. We've had what we call um, Juneteenth plus 15, which is what we're calling <laughs> the July now. And no. now it's it's going to be August in like five minutes. Do you have can any be, other plans this summer? Can I be perfectly honest, Erica? Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to anything. I think our country is on the verge of um, destruction. I think that uh, unless Democrats figure out how to message things better, you know, it's like you were saying uh, on another broadcast about how we have to, um, Black people and gay people are the most reliable vote in the Democratic Party. And I don't think the people who run stuff understand that, um, and women. And I just don't, I think that we are doing business as usual. And I think that it is only a matter of time before we are Nazi Germany, which means that I'm going to a camp, which means you'll be a second or third class citizen. Um, nah, I, I, I've never been so pessimistic in my life about anything. And I'm not the type who will run to another country when it happens. When Red Dawn comes, I know for a fact, hand me a gun. I'm going to learn how to use a rocket launcher. I'm not going down without a fight. Somebody is going to die as I work to save my country. And I will probably die in the fight. I strongly believe that we are on the verge of ruin and destruction in our country. So no, I'm not looking forward to anything. Well, that's a downer. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say a pool party or something. Well, maybe if Lori Harvey comes up, my whole attitude will change. (laughs) I love you, Larry Harvey. I, I, I can't not agree with you, though. It is very scary, you know, having young children. My children are, you know, they're young adults um, just getting started off in life. And they're starting off in a place before that that didn't exist in, since before I was born, you know, is like it's hard to wrap my head around that. The purpose the purpose of my job as a mother and the purpose of my job as an executive director is to leave things better than I found them, is to create some sort of legacy that is helpful so that they can have a little less struggle. I can't take away all their struggles, but I'm hoping that there are some things that are in my power to help remove so that they can move through life um, with just a, a few a few less uh, impediments. And so but it's you just really sad. Yourself. You've done your part in this world. I, I, I want to. I have to say this, and I know I'm always like pumping you up, but it's because I believe this. I've seen you grow from, you know, junior cub reporter at the local black newspaper, all the way to where you are now, where you're changing lives. You've done your part, and it. I guess part of the reason I'm so upset with, um, with everything is people like you have done your part, and then there are other people who are bound to determine to make sure that your part is removed, and. Like I said, Red Dawn, bring it, bring it, because honestly, the time for talk is over. Revolution is nigh. I think that that pretty much says it all. So we got to wrap up. I want to make sure. Just a happy note, Lori. My- <laughs> and now the show is over. Life, life as we know it, and the show. Always me. We'll never right. make it. Right. Nothing good is going to come of our lives. So let's hope that's not true. Because one thing I will say, you know, the euro is actually worth less than the dollar right now, which means that I can go online and order some cheap things. 
<laughs> Look for the bright side. I'm looking for the bright side. Because there are a few places that I have an affinity for over in Europe that I would like to order some things. And now that the mushroom cloud goes up, Erica will be banging. I will be cute. <laughs> And I will have a little slouchy sweater and I have new frames on mm -hmm. as I look into the, the black hole sun as it comes. <laughs> right. As our skin melts, Erica will be in Dior. <laughs> I, I, it, it will be lovely. I will look lovely as I melt, as I melt. Well, Anywho, <laughs> yes, welcome, welcome to Play Cousins, the dark and dreary Play Cousins. Anywho. So I want to remind people once again to take the Black Census. If you haven't yes. taken the Black Census yet, we are still um, cool. we are still advocating for all people who identify as Black, what whatever that means. If it's immigration, if you're an immigrant, if you um, you know uh, live in the urban area, rural area, identify. Not if you're an Ancestry.com Black person. That's not good enough. <laughs> straight. If Marla. you're straight or LGBTQIA plus or is non-gender, non-binary. We want to talk to you. We want to know what that life experience is like because every Black experience is not the same. Black so, skin, caramel, dark blurple, all us. All, all of them. Blue, black, all of it. Red bone, curly right. hair, all that. <laughs> 4C, all of it. We want to yep. talk to you. Anywho, so, but you can find the Black Census uh, on our website, makeitworkinnevada.org. We'll also um, pump it up on the playcousinspodcast.com. It's really cool. It's really And it will only take you a couple minutes to do. It is not yeah. a long thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't get involved in stuff that takes me more than a minute. And this took me two. You, you, you will have, you'll spend more time trying to figure out what Derek is talking about than it does to take you that survey. Thank you. Yes, oh, it's that easy. Anywho. <laughs> And you'll also, you know, make sure you just follow us, follow us um, and like and rate us on Spotify. Yeah. That is also really important so people can find us. Because I can and only do it so many times before it looks obnoxious, yeah. And it'll give you alert when the new episodes uh, come come up. So hopefully we will have an episode uh, soon that includes uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan. Uh, and Lori Harvey. And... and, and her sister, Sonia, we would love to have them yeah. on the show and, and, and talk. So y'all will fall in love with them too. But also just, you know, thinking about whatever else might be coming up. And then I think we're going to take a little bit of a break though, because, you know, I think we need, a, we need a break. I'm tired. I don't care. You see how this just makes sense? That's yeah, there will be no breaks. There will be no breaks. No. Okay. Thanks, people. Remember, tune in to Play Cousins on what is that? www.playcousinspodcast.com. Did I get it right? Did oh I get it right? God, for the first yeah. time. Ladies and gentlemen, he got it right. He got it right. <laughs> this is going to have to probably be edited because it's probably way too long for our actual ending. But hopefully, we <laughs> include the fact that Derek got the web address right. <laughs> so, no breaks. All right, people. Thank you. Thank you Bye. for listening. We appreciate y'all. Lori Harvey, Lori Harvey, Lori Harvey. Come on, Play Cousins. Roll another blunt. Play Cousins is powered by Make It Work Nevada, a project of Tides Advocacy, created by Derek Washington and produced by Erica Washington and Brenda Zamora. For more information, please visit www.playcousinspodcast.com.